From the newsroom of Impact Alpha, I'm Brian Walsh, and this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, July 9th. Today we're talking fusion. No, not the trends in food, but the E equals MC squared reaction that happens in the sun. Impact Alpha's Amy Corteze and David Bank have been tracking the startups trying to bring fusion down to earth. Hi, Amy. Hi, Brian. And hi, David. Hey, Brian. Um, We're also going to catch you up on our conversation with Bob Mumgard, the CEO of Commonwealth Fusion Systems, one of those hot, get it, Brian, startups you mentioned. I I get it, I think. (laughs) But first, here's what you need to know from this week in Impact Investing. There's a boomlet in venture financing in Africa. That's something we haven't said for a few years, but the African renaissance may be back in swing. In the first half of this year, African startups already have raised $1.2 billion, about double the pace of the past two years. FinTech ventures claimed nearly half of that. Digital financial services now include business loans, payment systems, and remittances. The share going to women-led ventures jumped sevenfold. That's still only 14% of the total, but Africa is now out in front of the rest of the world, where women-led ventures get about 3% of venture financing. All eyes are on China when it comes to climate action. Impact Alpha had a Q&A with Bo Bai of the Asia Green Fund. He's banking on China's global ambitions in renewable energy industries to accelerate its net zero goals from 2060. Bai also manages the half-billion-dollar U.S.-China Green Fund, which helps U.S. and European cleantech ventures enter the China market. Record-shattering weather is making the case for controlled environment agriculture. High-tech greenhouses are attracting increasing capital. The latest signal? Equilibrium Capital raised $1 billion for its second controlled environment food fund, triple its first fund. Portland-based Equilibrium was closing the fund just as temperatures hit a jaw-dropping 116 degrees Fahrenheit last week in Oregon, wilting many outdoor crops. Zipline is going big on drone delivery. The California company that started doing blood delivery in Rwanda is now working on COVID vaccine delivery in Nigeria and Ghana. Zipline just raised $250 million to bring its drones to Japan and the U.S. The digitization of mom-and-pop stores continues. The COVID disruption forced nearly everybody online, giving rise to new services for inventory, delivery, digital payments, and access to credit. In Cairo, Max AB raised $40 million to digitize the stores that still supply food and staples to most of Egypt's 100 million customers. And finally, Apollo Global Management took the plunge with its first investment from its new impact platform. The private equity giant bought a controlling stake in Reno de Medici, a recycled packaging producer in Italy. Impact Alpha readers remember that Apollo brought on Impact Investing veteran Lisa Hall last year to drive Impact Investing deeper into their portfolio. Because it's there, it's in nature, the raw, natural power just waiting to be harnessed. And when we ignite that cold fusion fire, I mean, just imagine, there's more energy in one cubic mile of seawater than in all the known oil reserves on Earth. I mean, you could drive your car 55 million miles on a gallon of heavy water. Even the end of pollution, warmth for the whole world. That's actress Elizabeth Shue in the 1997 movie The Saint, whose plot focused on the development of fusion power, a technology which seemed just around the corner at the time, 
In fact, generating electricity from fusion has been forecast to be 30 years in the future for at least the past 50 years. It's one of those things like flying cars or interstellar travel, a kind of sci-fi fantasy that we're unlikely to ever see. But might this time be different? Amy and David, you reported that something like $2 billion has recently gone into almost two dozen fusion startups. What's going on? Yeah, Brian, as you say, there's a long history to fusion, but that's what may make the R&D ready to break out. So physicists have fused atoms, but no one's yet figured out how to produce net energy. Um, And that means generating more energy than is consumed in creating the reaction. So once that can be engineered, fusion holds a promise of nearly unlimited, clean, carbon-free electricity. Brian, there's this analogy to the Human Genome Project of a couple decades ago. You remember there was a scrappy startup competing with this big government-funded project, and it's the same in fusion. There's this seven-government international thermonuclear experimental reactor under construction in France, um, you know, maybe costing as much as uh, $65 billion, and it, it expects to get to net energy by 2035. Some of these startups are expecting to do that, you know, sort of 10 years faster, like by 2025 or 2026. Here's Bob Mumgard from um, Commonwealth Fusion. Three years ago, we started CFS and had a $100 million Series A. So big, big funding from the beginning on an explicit goal with a good set of investors, good set of partner institutions, primarily MIT, a big, big part of, part of this. So, Amy, there's clearly a lot of excitement about the potential for fusion, but for those of us who might be a little bit rusty on the mechanics of nuclear physics, could you walk us through some of the basics here? Sure, Brian, and I'm no physicist, but um, the basics are, you know, nuclear fusion is sort of the opposite of nuclear fission, right? That's the conventional nuclear power that we think about where atoms are split, um, which is fission, to release energy. With fusion, you're using super hot temperatures of like 180 million degrees Fahrenheit or more to do the opposite. Um, you're fusing atoms and releasing energy. It's, it's the same process that powers the sun. Now, both of them produce carbon-free energy, but fusion has a lot of advantages. There's no or very little radioactive waste. Um, There's no weapons applications, so you don't have to worry about uh, proliferation. And it uses an abundant fuel source, hydrogen. And there is, of course, um, no pollution or or greenhouse gases. And unlike wind and solar, um, it fusion can supply a, a constant source of energy. It's not intermittent. Yeah, Brian, I just want to add that, you know, there's been this debate, we've covered it in Impact Alpha, between deployment of clean energy technologies that are sort of proven and known now and the sort of need for this breakthrough, you know, miracle that will rescue us from from the climate apocalypse. And the, the answer, of course, is we need both. So we need to be, you know, rolling out solar and wind and 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 everything that we that is well proven and known now and, and get to like some, you know, half the, um, the the carbon emissions by a decade from now. But for the second half of those carbon emissions, we are going to need some kind of breakthrough. And fusion is kind of the top of the breakthrough list. 
So, so where is the science when it comes to Fusion Out that would make it uh, a prime target for that kind of breakthrough investment bets? Well, when we were talking with Commonwealth Fusion Systems in, in Cambridge, um, what became clear is that you know a lot of technologies that have been in the labs for a long time are sort of coming to the fore. The key one for them is this high temperature superconductor material. And um, I think two German scientists won the Nobel Prize for it back in 1987, but they could make like a you know, like a like a microscope level amount of it. And now they're making it in, in meters and tens of meters. And it allows for just a huge uh, increase in the ability to create a magnetic field. Let's let Bob Mumgard explain it better. It carries 40,000 amps. That's enough to power a, a city, small town. And it wraps around 256 times. And the hole down the middle is big enough to stand in. And when we turn that magnet on, put all the current through it, it will make a magnetic field that is 20 Tesla. That's 12 times the magnetic field of an MRI machine. So, Amy, how far away are we from likely commercial deployment of fusion? Um, yeah, Brian, we're still about a good decade away from commercial deployment. Um, the timeline looks something like um, net energy produced in 2026. That's uh, CFS's goal. And they and other startups hope to be feeding fusion energy into the grid within a decade, so 2030 or early 2030s. But the first step is that net energy in 2026. I just want to emphasize again, you know, the sort of importance of that. There's a prediction, I think, that we're going to be using something like triple the amount of electricity we now use because everything, as you see, is going electric. Electric vehicles, of course, at the start, but, you know, eventually, you know, cement production and steel production and, and you know, we could talk about electrify everything. So um, there needs to be not just replace the current energy usage with renewables, but massive amounts of new electricity to replace everything else um, uh, that, that we use energy for. And as you said before, this is to that debate between scaling up existing renewable sources and searching for breakthrough solutions. It's not an either or, it's a both and. Right. And Brian, the implications of free electricity get pretty interesting or close to free, right? When we start having these abundant, um, you know, scalable sources of carbon-free energy. It's kind of like what happened with the internet and free long distance, right? Suddenly you enable new products, new business models, even new industries. And you can think about how, you know, companies could um, attract customers to their, um, you know, to their Walmart could have free charging for people to um, get them to shop in their stores. And, you know, you see Tesla, um, talking about creating restaurants, right? Um, when, when energy is free, you can start offering all sorts of new features, services, products, and, you know, who knows, maybe even new industries. We might even have enough electricity to mine Bitcoin. <laughs> or perhaps even flying cars. Sooner than you think. Well, thanks so much, Amy and David, for your great reporting on the history and future of fusion power. That's going to do it for your Impact Briefing this week. More all day, every day at impactalpha.com. Subscribe to get full access to the site and the daily brief newsletter. Podcast listeners get $100 off their first year subscription. Go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and use the code briefing100. Thank you for listening. 
And thanks, as always, to our producer extraordinaire, Isaac Silk. I'm Brian Walsh, head of sustainability for the capital markets firm TPI Cap. Until next time, take good care. <laughs>